1: Damon Bruce and Ray Ratto on 95.7 The Game. Oh, welcome to you here on a Monday. The 49ers are officially playoff bound. Seattle. Well, hello, Seattle. We'll be talking about that today. we got Michael Irvin joining us at 4.15 here on Damon and Ratto. Ray, hello. How are you? Uh, I see you're... Dra- draped in, in purple. It, it, are you pulling for TCU tonight? I hadn't thought of it that way, but sure, why not? Why
3: the hell not? I mean, not? they're going to get boat raced, but... <laughs> Probably. I mean, th- Michigan tried 15 ways to lose that game and came back to barely miss. So, yeah, I I suspect that the, uh, the Frogs will not fare well tonight.
1: What an incredibly odd yet somehow dominant football season the 49ers have just completed in their regular season now we know what's coming up next but before we get to what's next we got to look at how the hell it is they got here it is one of the weirdest paths we've seen any team take to the postseason in a while if you really think about it i mean think they lost two of their first three games this year to Chicago, who's got the number one pick in the upcoming NFL draft. Thank you, Lovey. We'll get into that in just a little bit. Denver was the flaming dumpster emoji, you know, the blue one that floats down the river of water all year long. And two of their first three games are inexplicable losses when you look at how they're playing and who the hell they are right now. They lost to a Falcons team that did nothing well this season except run the football. They got murdered at home by the Kansas City Chiefs, and since that moment, they've looked nothing short of the best team, certainly the most consistent team in football, having won 10 in a row in almost, I mean, Ray, would you call it universally comfortable fashion on this 10-game winning streak? I mean, I know they were threatened by the Raiders, you know not every game was put to bed by the third quarter obviously but it was a pretty comfortable ride through a 10 game winning streak which has the 49ers finding themselves as the 2 seed and welcoming Seattle of all teams to Levi Stadium on Saturday
3: yeah, uh, navigating the chargers was not easy but other than that you're right i mean it was they they showed what happens when you get to keep the ball and your defense is better than the other
1: guy's offense they won their division. They climbed to the two seed as the Vikings regressed. They flirted with the one seed. They make what I think is easily the greatest in-season trade sports has offered any sport in the last calendar year to land Christian McCaffrey. They have the best defense in the game. That's a cliche I know which goes on to win championships. They got a coach who truly wears the crown of maybe best to yet win it all in this league. They've got one of the most unique quarterbacking situations the sport has truly ever seen, starting with the trade-up for Trey Lance, the resurgence of, of Jimmy Garoppolo after it looked like he was a foregone conclusion to be somewhere else. And then look at what we have here in Brock Purdy, where... You know, I know it's very fashionable to say he's just along for the ride. And conceptually, I get that point that people are trying to make. But if just going along for the ride was an easy thing to do with this team, we would have seen other other quarterbacks do it. I mean, Brian Hoyer would still be the coach uh, or the, the, the quarterback of the 49ers if it didn't matter who the, the quarterback of the 49ers were cj bethard nick mullins would have been able to find a degree of success brock purdy looks more comfortable running a kyle shanahan offense than anyone jimmy included but for maybe matt ryan back when he was the offensive coordinator of the atlanta falcons and ryan's mvp year this purdy story is unbelievable the 49ers have just turned in an unbelievable football season That got off to a start that left everybody worried and wondering, and now here it is, and the path to Glendale again begins with Seattle. And before we really start getting into that, Ray, let's see if we agree on this. It's no cakewalk. Seattle is a beatable team, period, straight up, we all understand that. But the whole, they got the lesser of two evils because Aaron Rodgers isn't coming to town, I don't know if I completely subscribe to that. The, the, the Packers are better. They have a defense that's been playing pretty well. And, you know, whenever you got a first ballot Hall of Fame bound quarterback, you need to be worried about that. But man, Pete Carroll knows this team very, very well. He's had a ton of success and he's in the postseason with Seattle just about every single time you look up since he got there. And this guy knows how to win football games. He's not supposed to win. And if you're talking about who turned in a fabulous season as an NFL head coach, no one is going to have Pete Carroll on their coach of the year list. There's an argument. It's a bad one. It's not one that'll win the day. But Pete Carroll just had one of his finest seasons as an NFL head coach, given the circumstances. He had a he had a great
3: offseason, though, when he was able to decouple from... Russell Wilson, who he was having nothing but issues with. And given what the other choice was, uh, choosing Geno Smith as his quarterback was not considered a long-term plan. But Geno Smith is a contender to be MVP. I don't think he will be MVP. That's almost certainly going to be Mahomes. But they're not in the playoffs without solid quarterbacking because everywhere else they're pretty mediocre and so you know this is one of those cases where the right thing happened despite the fact that nobody thought it was ever the right thing
1: nsc playoff picture is simply this we got eagles niners vikings bucks winning their divisions the three wildcard teams the cowboys the Giants and the Seattle Seahawks, the Giants get in at 9-7-1. Seattle is in at 9-8. The NFC East, rates it's the least consistent division in all of football. It's been 18 straight seasons since a defending NFC East champion repeated as an NFC East champion. So that thing is always a jumbled up mess. The AFC playoffs, it's the Chiefs, Bills, Bengals, Jaguars winning their division. Their three wildcard teams are the Chargers, the Ravens, and the Dolphins. The Jags and Dolphins both at 9 and 8. I wouldn't say that the Jaguars did anything other than play themselves in an impressive fashion. Who knows what to really make of them. The Dolphins absolutely backed into the playoffs, but no apologies will be offered for Mike McDaniel. All things considered, hell of a job by him in year one. Yeah,
3: but he did it by the skin of his teeth because he was going to be the guy who figured out to a tongue of Ioloa.
1: For a minute there, he did. For a minute there, he did.
3: But then we found out that his concussion problems are actually probably more serious than we know. And there is a huge debate in Miami now about whether they should play him, even if the doctors clear him. My sense is, I think I'd pass on that because... You know, what are your chances of winning in Buffalo with him or without him? And do you want to take a risk that you're going to lose him again and then never have him back? But that's down the road and that's for you know, that's for other people to argue. I I think the the Dolphins benefited from um a weird late season schedule and the fact that the Jets are horrifying because that was a game where if the Jets had shown anything whatsoever, um, Miami loses that game and they're out. But the Jets started Joe Flacco, who is three for his last 20 in terms of wins. Take it where he can get it. Yeah, oh no, I mean, that was his last game ever because he's not going to get re-upped for his 38 year. But, you know, I mean, the Dolphins sneak in. They haven't been in a long time. The Jaguars haven't been in a long time. Um... It's a big year for Florida football,
1: and they're all going to be out this weekend. We got ourselves one hell of a show today, one hell of a guest coming up in about an hour from now. We're going to say hello to the Hall of Famer playmaker Michael Irvin stops on by for his weekly conversation with us. We have so much to get into. And even though the Warriors went out of their way to ruin what looked like a chance to have a very good homestand by dropping games to two of the biggest road losers in the sport, they lose to Detroit, then they lose to Orlando, and I understand that they were shorthanded, but still... Those are bad losses at Chase Center. I don't care who's going or not. Those are bad losses. The good news is that Steph Curry could be appearing on the playing horizon before this team takes off on the horizon line for a five-game road trip, which starts on Friday. Curry is probable. Is it questionable or probable? Questionable. Probable? Probable to play tomorrow tomorrow against the Phoenix Suns. So we're going to sneak that into the show if we haven't already. Before it is all said and done. Yeah, we probably won't return to it very much. Hey, the Giants actually made a little bit of a signing that made their bullpen better. Is it sexy? Never is. Could it be useful? Yeah, could be. We got a ton to get into today. We got open lines indeed talking about the year that the 49ers just had, how they got there, the starring role that Brock Purdy turned into, be very comfortable playing, George Kittle. My goodness, he has awakened. Christian McCaffrey, this guy is absolutely breathtaking. Bosa and Ayuk get to important career numbers, and we got a lot to get into this afternoon here on Damon and Ratto. We're brought to you by CalHope.org. Now, back to Damon and Rado on 95.7 The Game. So here's the deal. This glorious program can be consumed with your own eyes. My goodness. You can watch us on YouTube. Why? I don't know. I don't know why, but you can. You can head to youtube.com slash 957 game. You watch us live. You go and see everything that happens from inside the studio. And, uh, of course, you can find us all over the Odyssey app as well. It is good to be with you. We're going to get some phone calls in here in just a little bit, an hour away from saying hello to Michael Irvin. And, look, um, you know, I was talking about how if anybody could do the job then why isn't Brian Hoyer still the quarterback of this team? And somebody, you know, trying to engage on the uh, Otis Bird III uh, uh, text line on the YouTube.com chat page uh, is, is simply saying, like, this was a much different team back then. Yeah, it was. But you could have just kept Brian Hoyer as your steady, no doubt about him, because anybody could run Kyle's offense. Anybody. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter. That's nonsense. That's nonsense. Brock Purdy might be the least heralded uh, promise of a decent quarterback in NFL history based on where he was drafted. Among the least heralded. The kid can play. Nothing reveals you can play or can't play in the NFL until you're in the NFL. This kid can play. I mean, there's just no other way to say it. Is he the greatest arm talent you'll ever see in your life? Absolutely not. Doesn't matter. He can play. He sees the field. He makes the right choices. If seeing the field and making the right choices were all it took to be consistently phenomenal in Kyle's offense, well then how come Jimmy Garoppolo has not won multiple Super Bowls with teams that are very similar? Maybe it's all Christian McCaffrey, but the people who want to spend the week, and I I I think Ray, you might even be one of them, wanting to tell you that just, you know, Brock Purdy is one of the least important pieces of the puzzle. I just don't think he'd been paying attention. Is he, is he in position to not have to do as much as other quarterbacks based on the talent around him? Yeah, but that's an enviable position that all quarterbacks would love to see themselves in. But that's the point I've
3: been making. I haven't said that he can't play. I've said that he is not the reason why they win or lose. Or in this case, why they win since he hasn't lost yet. They have in McCaffrey a guy who can change the nature of the offense so that it becomes a dynamic ball control offense, and they have a defense that means that he doesn't have to put up 38 a game. It makes life easier for him. It doesn't mean that he can't, that he sh- you know can get away with having no talent or no facility for the game. I'm just, all I've ever said was, this is easier for him than if you put him on nearly any other roster. That's, that's the only point I've made.
1: I don't know if there's any quarterback who doesn't excel in a good situation and find themselves regressing in a bad one. I mean, it's just kind of how the sport works. Well, yeah, but I, what, the, point of, the, the point of
3: Purdy's situation here is that there's a lot less risk involved. He doesn't have to make plays on his own for the offense to function well. He does make some, but it's not a requirement. I mean, if he was playing in Philadelphia, yes, he'd have a better offensive line behind him. But In he'd front st- of him. Hmm? In front of him. In front of him. <laughs> also behind him. Um, but he would also have to be able to be as dynamic a running, a running quarterback as Jalen Hurts is. And he'd also have to have a stronger arm like Jalen Hurts does because Miles Sanders is not Christian McCaffrey. The only, thing, the only point I'm trying to make here is that Purdy has advantages that he would not get to enjoy on most other teams, including most other good teams. I don't know how many other teams he could be this good on. Doesn't mean he would be bad on every other team. It just means that you might see his flaws more often. Kyle Shanahan has created an offense that minimizes risk and minimizes flaws. It's why Jimmy Garoppolo continues to thrive in this and has for three of the last four years. He just he's not great. He's never going to be great,
1: but he's good enough. And in the end, good enough is good enough. Eight at eight-nine five seven-nine five seven, seven O, oh, Brenda. In Oakland, thanks for holding, Brenda. What do you got for us today?
3: Yes, thank you so much, fellas. I want to address the question, the hypothetical question that came up about, you know, if Jimmy Jimmy took us to the Super Bowl, would he be out and lost? Would he be out? Of course he would be out because, realistically, we saw him fold in the first Super Bowl. So you go to the second one and you can't finish out, of course you're going to be out. And right now, I feel like we are the ace of spades offensively look Kansas has seen what we can do in the Super Bowl and if we return to the Super Bowl with Jimmy G we will be a stop. they'd be doing ring around the rosy just like they did with the Raiders because they know that Jimmy is glad however
1: what wait, is- wait 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 Brenda what it what where is your Jimmy Garoppolo anxiety coming from the man hasn't played in weeks he started the winning streak that you're enjoying The argument that he is not solely responsible for losing that Super Bowl is one that could be made. And I'm no Jimmy defender, but like that guy should not be on the list of things that you're worried about today. He just shouldn't be. You don't need to worry about Jimmy Garoppolo. Here's what I can pretty much guarantee you. He's played his last snap for the 49ers, unless, of course, he's good enough to be Brock Purdy's backup in the Super Bowl. That's when you would see him again. If you were backing up Brock Purdy in the Super Bowl. And by the way, that's how it will go. Because if this team's in the Super Bowl, they're not going <laughs> to change anything. So, uh, uh, you know, just saying that, you know, Jimmy's glass and all this, it's just, it's just the wrong time to be throwing out negative juju about Jimmy into the world. Jimmy did his job this year. He did his job well. All things considered. And if he's not here to do his job well, I don't think there's a snowball's chance in hell the San Francisco 49ers are in the postseason. Unless, of course, Brock Purdy was going to get that job, in which case we all know, no, he's he's basically Dan Marino, which is a huge exaggeration, but uh, he also becomes... The third player in NFL history with at least two touchdown passes in each of his first five career starts, Billy Volek is one of those guys. Nothing special, really, there. And Dan Marino, I mean, Brock Purdy has put himself into a conversation with great starts that you couldn't believe. And 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 one more point that Brenda made too. And I'm not comparing Brock Purdy to John Elway. How many how many Super Bowls did John Elway lose? Four before he won his first one. Three? Well, I mean, you know, there are guys who have been to this game multiple times and have lost it multiple times who are some of the great quarterbacks of all time. Tom Brady has lost multiple Super Bowls. So, you know, to try to pin the shortcoming in the Super Bowl just on Jimmy and thank God that guy's not here anymore. It's just it's the wrong thing to be talking about today. There's so much positivity about around this team. Why, why bring up the one negative thing from 2019? Uh, it was three times for Elway. For Elway, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah,
3: and it and it's basically irrelevant anyway. I mean, the the reason why the 49ers lost the Super Bowl is they gave up three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. You can talk about the missed pass to Emmanuel Sanders all you want. But you give up three scores in 15 minutes, you deserve to lose. And that was a very good defense that did that. That's why Kansas City should scare the hell out of everybody. Because they're the team that's most likely to do that again.
1: I would not be surprised at all if you told me the Kansas City Chiefs beat the 49ers again in the Super Bowl. As a matter of fact, I think that's pretty much the chalk that a lot of people are looking at. Like the, The most probable outcome of this Super Bowl is... It's not the Eagles reaching it even though they got home field. It's the Niners losing to Kansas City. It might
3: very well be. You know, I mean and, and that's the thing that the 49ers have to figure out is how to get their defense so that they don't give up 21 and a quarter or 44 in a game. You know, the the Jimmy Garoppolo dynamic is largely a matter of how far does this team get in the postseason? Because I'm, I'm, I've come around to thinking that they're not going to make a change unless they have to, and if they're winning, barring injury, they don't have to. Because Kyle Shanahan, for as much of a Riverboat gambler as he is as a general manager, he basically plays for pars during games. He doesn't try to, you know, hit a ball out of the woods onto the green. You know, he, he will lay up with the best of them. And that's really that that's the conundrum that is Kyle Shanahan. He will gamble like crazy when he's not dressed, you know, with a headset. When he has a headset, he plays it pretty much according to Hoyle. And that's the that's the reason why their offense works the way it does, is he's made sure that he doesn't have a quarterback who has to do risky things to save their save their bacon. And the reason why they don't have to is because he went out and gambled a bunch of draft choices to get Christian McCaffrey, and he's built a consistently
1: great defense—not just one, but several. And this defense has been spectacular, you know, pretty much all year long, specifically through this ten-game winning streak. And look, you know, I what what (laughs) what does this show offer, Ray? I, I think I think every you know, I'll answer that because I know you're going to have a negative statement. But uh, the show no, does have you. something. To, this show does have something to offer, and I, I think it's why the station right now has its best lineup in the history of the station going on right now because these shows are complementary. Some shows absolutely overreact in moments to what they see as is, you know, prerogative of fans from here, and and that's fine. I think you and I, what we offer as a show, is to not overreact when the show calls for some overreaction. And having said all that, early on in this season, there might have been, looking back on it now with clear 2020 hindsight, some overreaction to the coach that Kyle Shanahan is, was, early on in the year. How he's hamstrung by such the playing-for-par style that he's afraid to grab a club and grip it and rip it when that golf analogy calls for that. You know, I mean, I remember making that criticism, but I don't think we were doing breathless criticism overreacting. It's kind of, you know, what we've been seeing throughout the years, week after week, month after month, season after season, you know, does Kyle have any other gear other than this when it comes to play calling? And the truth is the design of this team keeps him in his conservative nature. But the right quarterback can just unlock opportunities, even with conservative numbers, to put up gaudier point totals. And that is what Brock Purdy and company have truly done. You know, Sunday, Purdy competed... He completed 15 of 20 attempts for 178 yards, three touchdowns, and a 141.2 passer rating. Again, none of these numbers, the passer rating is obviously good. Three touchdowns, very good. But 15 of 20, as good as it is, 178. These are not gaudy numbers. These are not I won for sure that week in fantasy type of numbers. But this guy finished this season with six wins being attributed to his presence in this 10-game winning streak that ended the year. And Purdy finishes the year as a 67% passer with 1,374 yards, 13 passing touchdowns against four interceptions. I mean, two of them officially not on him, but on bounced balls and a rushing touchdown. San Francisco scored 33 or more points in five out of the six games that Brock Purdy's playing in. Again, you look at any one game that Purdy played. There's a reason to maybe dismiss him. But you start stringing these things together, you got to admit, the job's getting done. I want to go back to 2019, Kyle Shanahan. So they lose the Super Bowl, right? What do you think of Kyle? Well, he's not good enough to win it all. Not good enough to win it all. Maybe. Maybe that'll bear itself to be true again, right? But here's the deal, and I saw this from a Cash Varantheon on Twitter this past weekend. Sometimes Kyle and how good he is, it's been hard to see in real time. Everyone can admit that, right? I'm sure Kyle would even admit that. It's hard to see in real time how good this guy has been. But hindsight, it's 2020. The most wins in the NFL for any team since 2019, since the Chiefs won the Super Bowl... It's the Chiefs with 52 wins, followed by the Buffalo Bills and the Green Bay Packers, two phenomenally quarterback teams. They've got 47 wins. The Baltimore Ravens, you know, forever a solid defense, and Lamar is a beast. 43 wins. The 49ers are 42. 42 Since 2019, one, two, three, four teams have more regular season NFL wins than the 49ers. That's a real good neighborhood to be living in, folks. A real good neighborhood. And they live in that neighborhood because of Kyle and what he has lacked at times in in in-game coaching. He is made up for it at times. With the decisions he's made as this team's gm and his gm shortcomings are obviously worked around by the style of offense that he has now finally got the perfect players to go out and run the way that he sees fits i mean they just went undefeated in divisional play they face another division opponent on saturday by the way ray if you want to ask what would have been the largest bet lost of my entire football gambling year if i was a gambler I would have been willing to bet the mortgage payment and both kids' future college tuitions on the fact that the 49ers weren't going to get that first game on a Saturday, the Houston Texans Memorial kickoff time slot. But they're up first. They're going to be, I would have thought for sure, at the very, very least, if you're going to have them playing on that Saturday, you're going to start with the game on the East Coast and the Jaguars hosting the Chargers. And then as the day goes along, you get to the West Coast and then you kick that game off. No, the Niners are going to be the first playoff game in the books this weekend. I would have lost my shirt on that one. I figured that they were tailor-made for primetime success. Yeah, I'm not sure what the decision
3: was there, but if you think about it, what's the most appealing match of the first weekend?
1: It's it's probably just in terms of hardest to handicap. Chargers Jaguars could get very interesting, right? Very, very interesting. Uh, As I mean, could Giants and Vikings to be totally honest with you.
3: Well, I mean the one the the yeah, you know, the, the the marquee one is obviously Cowboys Bucks, which is why it got Monday night. Although they could have put it on Sunday night just as well. Uh, the Bengals, you know, went to the Super Bowl last year and have a very dynamic team, so they get the Sunday night. But which Ravens team shows up? The same one that you've seen for weeks on end. They well, score nine points and right they it, get boat race. If Lamar does show up and play, though, how much does it change things? They get thirteen points. They don't score. They don't. I mean, it just it's. And it's not conservatism. It's who you giving the ball to, Kenyon Drake. Who you throwing it to, Mark Andrews? They don't have they don't have playmakers. They have they have an injured Lamar Jackson. And without him, I mean, you saw what they did Sunday. You saw what they did the week before that. They win rock fights. Yeah, that's how they win. Yeah, this is what makes it. it's rock Niners- fights where you're not even hitting the other guy. You're just getting closest to the target because that's how bad they are.
1: This is what really makes the Niners something that, again, in moments you couldn't see it, but looking back on the whole thing, they're very game dynamic. I mean, you know, can they win a shootout? We've seen that. Can they win a rock fight? Can they win a slow paced game? Can they win a fast paced game? They got different styles of fights in them right now. So you're right. Even though Kyle does like playing for par. If he does need to go out and get the big Bertha gripping and rip it, it feels like they at least have that lever to pull. Should they want to? Should they have to? I guess is since, more of the right way to say because they don't want to.
3: No, but more to the point. Not, I'm sorry, I keep doing that, and that's a bad habit. I have to break it. Another point. Since they got, since they got uh, Christian McCaffrey, they've scored thirty or more points seven in ten games, seven times in ten games. They generate plenty of offense. They just don't have to grip it and rip it. They make offense. And, you know, I mean, if you're basically going to average four touchdowns a game, especially in January, you're going to be fine. And that's, I mean, that that's the dichotomy here. In 19, when they were supposed to be, you know, not a very dynamic offense, they scored the 40th highest number of points in the history of the league his style generates offense it's just not going to awe you it's not going to look like kansas
1: City's. it's not going to look like Buffalo's. it's not even going to look like minnesota's right i mean a couple years ago we used to say man you know the, the niners move the ball pretty easily in between the 20s it's what happens when they get into the red zone well they're having a lot of red zone success now and you can thank christian mccaffrey for that and, man, you can thank George Kittle for that. He has just come alive. Again, Brock Purdy has turned George Kittle into Travis Kelsey. Or George Kittle is turning Brock Purdy into Patrick Mahomes. Like, which way do you want to, to say it? It, it? It's it's amazing the kismet that those two guys got together early on in their careers and how Kittle is just, I mean, he's been seen better than by Brock than anyone's been able to find him on the field. Jimmy included, everyone included. He's just, he's, he's the favorite target of Brock Purdy, without a doubt. And why wouldn't he be? This guy's got seven receiving touchdowns in just a handful of games. I mean, we're, we're talking since Brock Purdy took over. Kittle leads all offensive players in this league right now in receiving touchdowns, receiving yardage, uh, receiving pro football focus grades, uh, and an offensive grade. Kittle scored two touchdowns in three of his last four games. He was held to just one in week 17. He's got 11 touchdowns on the season. Five of them came against Arizona. Seven in his last four games alone. Brock Purdy and Kittle are just cooking with with grease right now. This is Daniel in San Jose. Daniel, what do you got?
2: Hey, uh, I just wanted to say
3: that um, I know last year, like I love the way that Black- Brock Purdy's playing right now. Uh, I love his connection with Kittle, that you guys were just talking about. And uh, he's playing with so much confidence. But I can't help to think about last year and how we played the Rams on the third time and then playing Seattle three times. Just makes it really difficult to play in a divisional opponent at any point, whether you're the most dominant team or not. Um, and so just, uh, you know, it's kind of the game I didn't want. I wanted the Packers. I thought they would have did really well. Um, I still expect them to win. I just know it's going to be it's going to be one of those grind hard games. So hoping they get it. Hope Purdy shows you know what he can do in those games. But um, it's going to be a really big moment for us.
1: Thank you, Daniel. Look, you have the right to be apprehensive about that. Uh, honestly, you know, I I, I I mean, how do you want it? Do you want the rivalry who knows you like the back of his own hand because you're in the same division? You play each other all the time. Or do you want to take your chances with a guy who's going to the Hall of Fame when his career is over and Aaron Rodgers with a pretty good defense all of a sudden backing him up? Packers aren't bad for a team that's not going to the postseason. They're really not. They just had a very weird year. I don't know what the right choice is right there. Kyle Shanahan actually talked about it today in his uh, conference call. And he said, you know, yeah, there's there's something to the fact that it's hard to beat a time a team three times in one year hell it's hard to beat a time a team pardon me uh two times in the same season three even harder but that's not the way that they're looking at it
2: i don't really look at it as you have to beat someone three times just look at it as we, we got to beat them on saturday uh, that's the games. I don't think the other games have to do with it. It all comes down to this, and uh, that's how it was last year, too. There's no difference to me in that. I mean, teams know each other pretty well. You don't get to surprise teams that much in situations like this, but that's how it's been with us in Seattle for a number of years here. and um, Usually every time we play, it comes down to the wire, usually that last possession, and that's what we're working and ready to fight for.
1: We're about a half an hour away from saying hello to Michael Irvin here this afternoon on 95.7 The Game. The path to Glendale indeed begins with the Seahawks. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about that and the fact that Christian McCaffrey is, and, and I really mean this, like this sounds like a dramatic word, but it's not. He's breathtaking. Every time he touches the ball, it's breathtaking. And we got that for you all coming up. It's Damon and Ratto this afternoon. We're brought to you by Fremont Bank. Full service banking, no compromises. now back to damon and rattle on 95 7 the game the road to glendale brought to you by merowest credit union working for you today tomorrow together damon and rattle with you here today tomorrow all week long on 95 7 the game it's good to have you this afternoon the 49ers their path to glendale again begins with seattle of all teams, who would have ever thought, right? 49ers got the Texans' time slot, which is a little shocking. They're going to be the first wild card game of the weekend on Saturday. And I saw that a lot of people were saying, well, that's unfair to the 49ers. Like, they're trying to get them screwed over because they have less time to prepare. Hey, win this game, you got more time to prepare for the next round, which officially means more than anybody. So, you know, what works against you one day works for you the next. Unless you play next Saturday, in which case you have normal prep. And in any event
3: if one day makes that big a difference against a team that you've handled
1: twice shame on you don't even you don't even try to use that as an excuse Niners are 2 and 0 against Seattle this year a 27 to 7 home win all the way back in week 2 win up in Seattle in week 15. You combine those games there, I'll do the math for you. It is a 48-20 win combined score for the 49ers over two games in Seattle. So what does Seattle got going for it? Without getting into the particulars of the roster, because we got all week to do that, what they got going for it, it's Pete Carroll. They just full stop. The guy is a professional football coach. What's he, the only guy to ever win a college national championship and a Super Bowl? That's a pretty good list. List of one. I mean, that's impressive. Um, He just laid down one of his best seasons as Seattle's head coach. Uh, That's one of the great seasons of his career. It truly is, given all the moving parts that they had. Two rookie tackles, rookie running back that they're going to live or die by. You know, they got uh, a, a group of receivers built around Geno Smith, who was, you know, hanging directly off the branch of anybody want him can come get him. Pete did. He's had great success with them. And I mean, Carroll has now made the playoffs 10 times in 13 seasons up in Seattle. He's done so with three different starting quarterbacks now. He has never gone back-to-back seasons without making the playoffs in Seattle. Out one year, in the next year. Never two in a row off. Guy can coach, man. Coach is fanny off. Yeah, he certainly did this year because this was a team with
3: four and thirteen talent. And everybody thought they were going to have four they were going to be four and thirteen. But in addition to Geno Smith playing his ass off. Their offense was better than we thought it it, it would be. Um, their defense is not very good. I mean, they're like 26th and like 28th against the run. But can, uh, Walker has turned out to be a, a, a godsend as a running running back because it, he helped simplify the game. But in the two games against San Francisco, they got outrushed by 100 both times. They... Um, they they uh, they fell behind twenty to nothing in the first game, twenty one to three in the second. So, whatever Pete Carroll's got, he's got to start transferring some of that to their defense because Kyle Shanahan with a lead, choke slams games. If Kyle Shanahan has to come from behind, like most coaches, you know you're you know you could be a victim of circumstance a hundred different times. But Kyle Shanahan with a lead, especially a first half lead, you know book it and that's that's the biggest difference I mean, they're great front in runners. the past in the past seattle never let the 49ers get away from them this year twice they didn't even have a chance because the 49ers did
1: get away from it got away from them early eight at eight nine five seven nine five seven oh michael irvin's gonna join us around 4 15 this afternoon our one our only guest of the day because we're you know we, we want to talk to you about what it is we just saw not only this weekend but throughout the entire year. One of the things that everyone saw, and look, you know the Cardinals struck first with that gadget play. Uh, can I ask you a quick question? You know how we sometimes we roll over accounting stats from regular season to regular season like a guy who ended a, a major league season on a 20-game hitting streak. Opening day, the very next year, he's looking for a hit in his 21st game. I've always hated that. I've always hated wraparound stats. If the Arizona Cardinals lose week one next year, is that yet another opponent who lost its next game after playing the San Francisco 49ers? No. No. Because
3: okay. they will have healed up by then,
1: you they would w- think. Well, they will have healed up by then, but it's going to be a whole new team photo. Uh, today, basically, everyone who makes a decision on that team, GM, coach, was let go. Uh, and you can say that Steve Kime decided that it was time to step away. Sure, but they put the banana peel in front of him. Oh, yeah, and, and they let, they left cardboard boxes for
3: him to put his stuff in. Um, no, that, that turnover had been long expected because... Uh, Mike, Mike Bidwill, the owner, had long ago lost patience with Kingsbury, uh, Kingsbury. In fact, said today that Kyler Murray is going to have a hand in deciding who the next head coach is. So that tells you how that's going to go. Because Murray and Kingsbury did not see eye to eye on very much. No. So not only does Kingsbury get shown the gate, now it's become... Kyler Murray's team in the same way that Green Bay has been Aaron Rodgers' team. If you get to be in the room when the next coach is hired, you've got juice. And Kyler Murray's got juice. He does. I don't know if he's earned it, but he's got it.
1: So people, because everyone needs something to complain about, and you know what is there really to complain about is you got the best team in, or best defense in football securing a two-seed when it looked like getting out of a, a a four or a three was a near impossibility just a few weeks ago, Cardinals strike first with that gadget play. It goes over Diomedor Lenore, who is everyone's favorite, you know, whipping post right now. Diomedor Lenore, week after week after week, is officially getting picked on like a limping Tommy Gazelle gets hunted out on the plains. Like, you know, th- think think of NFL offensive coordinators and quarterbacks like Hungry Lions on the Serengeti. They know what they're looking for. They know where they want to go hunting. And they don't go hunting the biggest and the strongest of the game. They go hunting the weakest, the limpingest of the game. So Diamador Lenore is getting picked on every single week. It does not mean he's a bad player. He's just the path of least resistance for every single game plan when you're taking on the 49ers. Ray, there are hundreds of guys in this league who would be the worst player on the 49ers starting defense if they were on the 49ers. Hundreds of guys would be the weakest link on this defense. Hundreds of guys who are still good NFL players. I mean, there's no such thing as a this guy stinks at his job in the NFL. Not really. And... There there is a reason why they keep on coming after Diamador Lenore. It's not because he's bad at his job. It's because he's the only, only easy-to-see soft point in a defense that essentially has no soft points.
3: And the 49ers have chosen not to compensate for his difficulties by sending other people over and changing the nature of their secondary because they're playing with a lead. They're just going, you know... You're on your own for a while. Um, the other thing is that you've got to have a team that's good enough to victimize more than one guy. And if you're going to victimize one guy, you'd better be able to do it over and over and over again with a Justin Jefferson-level receiver and a Dak Prescott-level quarterback. Well, nobody's got that combination. Um, as a result, you know this is going to end up being... Does a quarterback have enough time to pick on or Lenore? For the most part, no. And that's why this postseason is interesting, because most of the good defenses are in the AFC. Most of the good offenses, with the exception of Kansas City and Buffalo, are in the NFC. So if the 49ers have been able to handle teams in the NFC by keeping them from scoring that's their key that's their key to victory more than anything else it's if if we hold you to two touchdowns we know we can get three we're fine
1: We have to screw up not to get three touchdowns and that's that's the dynamic by the way we do like to correct mistakes in real time I said Pete Carroll the only guy who won a national championship and a and a Super Bowl that's that's not accurate Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson and TikTok, tock tick tock tick tock tick tock Barry Switzer. Oh, that's, yeah. Barry Switzer. Like, he earned it. Yeah. <laughs> well, he,
3: yeah, he, he was basically the guy who won Jimmy Johnson's second at Super Bowl. Exactly.
1: Because Jimmy wasn't allowed to at the time. No, Jimmy, Jimmy was fired by a profoundly drunk Jerry Jones. So, we want to go ahead and correct mistakes in real time. Somebody wants to pick a fight with you, Ray, on the Xfinity mobile text line saying, you know, you just said that Shanahan with a lead is an absolute lock. He's like, you know, they were winning against the Chiefs. They were winning against the Rams. This year.
3: The, yeah, I'm not talking about. I mean, I'm not talking about through history. And there are examples where, you know, he has not held a lead. But this year, particularly against Seattle, he's up two touchdowns.
1: He's up three it, touchdowns. And it's the percentage play. I mean, Kyle. There are certain things that trigger a. Oh, you got about an eighty-five percent chance to win today. Yeah, and forty and one, carries is the ultra magic number. I think he's at hundred percent when this team sees forty yeah. carries. But beyond that
3: the 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 fact is that this is a different team than the team in 19 or the team last year. You know, their defense is, this defense is better than either of those two defenses. And their running back, their prime running back is better than anything they've had. You know, I mean, it just, it's, you know, I think their offensive line, it was still an excellent run blocking line. I'm not sure that they're a great pass blocking line, but Based on the fact that Kyle Shanahan's first priority in his passing game is to get rid of the ball quickly. They're passable. You can get by with that. Because he doesn't
1: sit there and let any of his quarterbacks sit in the pocket a long time. By the way, we just got by our first hour of the program. Let me welcome everyone into your four
0: o'clock.